you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a singer, obviously, I'm a singer, and um, there's been many times I couldn't encourage myself, but I'd sing to myself. I'd sing unto the Lord, but I'd sing, and the, that, those songs would encourage me, and they would bring encouragement to me. They would bring, bring brokenness whenever my heart was hardened. They would bring a, a fire of the Holy Ghost when I needed to be encouraged and refreshed, and uh, I'm thankful, amen, that we can sing, and he gives us a new song. Each and every one of us. I was praying this afternoon and, and this morning and just seeking God. And, and, um, and the Lord specifically spoke to me something. And, and, and do you know, this may be for one person tonight. I don't know. But it doesn't matter. Even if it's for one person, if you hear it and you say, well, I, you know, it wasn't exactly what, what I'm going through. Just take it and, and put it in your back pocket because you're going to need it one day. You're going to need it again. Because I can tell you the devil's MO hasn't changed. Amen. He, 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 he's, he, he, he comes to bring discouragement. He comes to bring, uh, you know, condemnation. And he comes to bring, uh, you know, defeat and all of these things. But we serve the God who's called us more than conquerors. Called us to be more than conquerors. Amen. He said, I didn't just conquer for you. I've called you to conquer. Amen. So he's called us to be more than conquerors. We stand and rest in the, the, the conquering power of Jesus Christ and the work of the cross. But he wants us to continue on with that. Amen. He wants us to continue on with that. He put the devil under his feet and he wants us to put the devil under our feet. And he gives us the power to do that. And in John chapter 8, I'm going to read the first to the 11th verse. And I've entitled this tonight, The Verdict of Peace. The Verdict of Peace. And it says, Jesus went out unto the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came unto him and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? And this they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and, and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Has no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time. And Lord, I just thank you for your presence and your spirit in the worship service. And I thank you for your Holy Ghost, Lord. You're so powerful and so wonderful. And you operate through us. And I'm so thankful, Lord, that we can be your instrument and vessel. 
I pray tonight, Lord, that you will just anoint these lips of clay and just let the Holy Ghost minister through me, Lord, and minister this word to this uh, congregation tonight. And Lord, bring the result and the desired result that you have in mind, God. Touch each and every heart, Lord. Anoint their ears and heart to hear, see, and feel what you're trying to say from your word. And Lord, I pray that you will let your will be done and we give you all the glory for what you're doing in this place, in this house. And we thank you. In Jesus' most holy name we pray, amen and amen. I want to preach to you tonight for just a little bit here. The verdict of peace. The verdict of peace. And um, when a judge or a jury speaks a verdict, the defendant and his attorney, but especially the defendant or the one accused, sits gripped with anticipation and fear and suspense because they don't really know what's going to happen. They're hoping for the best, but they don't know until that juror or that judge opens their mouth and gives that final, you know, a word of a verdict. Because everything hangs on their words. Amen? Everything hangs on their words. A man's life, his future is dependent upon that jury's word or that judge's word. The same applies with the sinner who's been acquitted by Jesus Christ. Amen? Have you been acquitted tonight? I can tell you, I've been acquitted in this place. And the Lord wants this preached because we must know that He's acquitted us. We must know that Jesus dropped the charges. Amen? Can you say amen? Jesus dropped the charges. Praise the Lord that He did. And uh, we must believe this or we will live under condemnation as a free person. Can you imagine being able to be free from a prison but yet staying there not realizing or believing that you've been set free? Can you imagine that for just a minute? And we, we say, I can't imagine that. But church, let me tell you something. It goes on and on and on in a believer's life in their heart because they do not believe what God has said about them. Them. They do not believe what Jesus has spoken and what he has done for them. And that is what I'm trying to convey and communicate to you tonight about how that he gives the verdict of peace. We must believe this tonight. In John 6 verse 63, Jesus said, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Amen. God has to quicken this truth truth in us. In other words he has to activate the faith that is real or activate faith that what he's spoken is real and let me just say it in plain terms God has to quicken us and bring a faith in, 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 in what he has spoken that it's true. The, the words that he's spoken it has to be quickened in us that yes he's forgiven me. Yes he doesn't condemn me and I have to be quickened to believe that. He has to put something down deep within us to believe such a word. Amen. But Jesus tonight is speaking to us through his word that he is given a verdict of peace. Now this passage is the gospel in a most beautiful, compassionate, liberating, 
account. And we hear God forgives and frees. And there is this moving in our soul as we read this. And, you know, we, we understand that. You know, listen tonight. We hear God forgives us. We hear that God's, God frees us. And as we see this in this passage, it's very moving in our spirit. It's very moving to us that the weight of sin is lifted up off of somebody and they're not under the bondage of that anymore. He wants you and I to know tonight that there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. That doesn't mean you can live any way you want to. He said, shall we sin that grace may abound? And Paul said twice, God forbid you do that. We, I'm not saved by grace to become a better sinner. I'm saved by grace to become more like Christ. Amen. I'm saved by the grace of God to become the righteousness. And I know he pronounces us that and he considers us that. But he wants us to walk in that too. But it's moving as you read this and you see this woman. She was taken in the very act of adultery. And Moses' law commands death to an adulterer. You want to know why God doesn't allow man to judge? Because you're not, you and I are not fit to judge. Well, pastor, you know, I, I feel like that I, I judge righteous judgment. Well, there's times I believe that we do judge righteous judgment. But just the very fact that these religious men brought the woman and forgot the man ought to tell you something. Weren't they both taken in adultery? Wasn't he supposed to be stoned too? But they drug her in and left him home. That's why we cannot judge a person's heart. We can look and see, you know what, and, and, and you may know things, and we make judgment calls, I get that, but what I'm trying to say to you is this, God wants us to leave that judgment stuff alone, because he's the only one that's holy and just and righteous and fair to judge, he's the only one that can. But she was taken in the very act of adultery and Moses' law commanded death. We know that from the scripture. But I want you to make note of some things here. She had sin. She had her sin against herself that she was looking at. She had the law that was against her in this passage of scripture. And she also had the accusers against her. She had not only the weight of her sin, but she had the law that said she should be punished. And then she had the accusers making sure that she knew what she did. That's every one of us tonight. Or any one of us. There's a pleasure in sin until the bill comes due. There's a pleasure in sin until the bill comes due. And the bill always comes due. The wages of sin is death. There's a consequence to sin. But thank God there's a consolation. And there is a justification and a salvation. Amen. And a redemption for every one of us in Christ Jesus. There's God's word which is his law that states what sin is. Then there's also... Uh, you know, things stated in His Word clearly. But also, when you know to do right and you don't do it, it's a sin. 
And also that when you can sin against the Spirit of God, you can grieve the Spirit, you can quench the Spirit, you can reject the Spirit. And all I'm simply saying to you is that, that, that you and I need to understand the consequences of sin. There's, you know, there may be things that are not necessarily spelled out right here in the Word of God, but when the Spirit of God deals with you about something and you go ahead and do your own thing, you're sinning against what the Spirit of God is saying. Amen. Praise the Lord. There's been times the Spirit of God said to me, don't open your mouth, don't say a word. But I did anyway. And then I felt convicted. Every idle word that we speak, we're going to have to give an account for. He said, you keep raising the tab up. But what I'm trying to say to you is that God has His law and His word and he states what sin is. And, and there's things in the word that are clearly there. But also he that knows to do right and doesn't do it to him, it is a sin. And he that, that, that begins to disobey the spirit of God. And if we're a Christian and we disobey the spirit of God, we're sinning against God. By not heeding his word. And not obeying his word. And grieving and quenching and disobeying his spirit. And uh, I can tell you, you can ask Jonah how that works out. It's not exactly... Anything nice. Sin is serious. Sinfulness is serious. And the greatest harm here in this life is that when we sin, we allow, we allow Satan access over our life. Let me stay here for just a minute. When we sin here in this life, I'm not even talking about what we got to contend with whenever we go to eternity and we stand before God. But in this life, what we do when we sin is we allow the enemy access to our life. Darkness, oppression, all of these things. We allow him in. You know, there's things that people say, well, the devil's on my back. I said, you let him take a piggyback ride. You let him do that. You're the one that did that. You, you feel dirty. You feel guilty because of the things that you've done. Amen. You allowed him that. That's why if you don't deal with sins, if you don't kill sin and make it a daily, daily, you know, endeavor and a daily fight to, to come against sin and combat it every day, sin will kill you. It will put to death the life of God in you. And you've got to hear this preach tonight. I'm getting to the verdict of peace in just a little bit. But sin has to abound before grace can abound. He said where sin doth abound, grace does that much more abound. Grace, God's grace is equal to what you're dealing with in your life. Don't think for one second that he's not enough. He's enough. His grace is enough. His blood is enough. His word is enough. I'm preaching an encouragement to you tonight. But we allow the enemy access and the darkness and the oppression and the shame and the pain and the fear and the torment that comes when we sin against God. That's just here in this life. Eternity awaits the sinner and the saint alike. And one day we're all going to stand before God. And then what? We pray and, and, and evangelize the world that they come to know Christ because we're all going to stand before Him one day. How about you? Jesus, in this account, dealt with the sin of the woman, because I already talked about that. He dealt with the law that was against her, and he dealt with the accusers 
that accused her. She was, she was confronted. Let me go back here for just a second. She was dealing with the sin that she had committed, how she felt inside probably, knowing it was wrong. The law that was against her and the accusers that came. And Jesus was fulfilling the law even in this passage by showing mercy when mercy was not deserved. He was dealing with the accuser showing there's only one perfect man. And he was dealing with the sinning adulterous woman by showing her compassion when she needed compassion. Aren't you thankful for the compassion of God? Who knows what he wrote on the ground? There will be scholars or scribes or religious or whatever. Teachers, I'm not even saying religious. I'm just saying teachers that will spend an hour and a half trying to figure out what Jesus wrote on the ground. It doesn't matter, but I have my surmising of what I think. I think that he began to write down on the ground the, the things that they had done. Because he said to them, if you haven't committed any sin, go ahead and throw the stone. He who has committed no sin, throw the first stone. And they were convicted. So there had to have been, you know, something that he wrote that brought conviction to their heart. And they left the eldest to the youngest. They began to drop their stones and walk away. But I don't know what he wrote. Most commentaries say the scribes and Pharisees sins that he wrote down on the ground or maybe something that each one of them had done. And they began to drop their rocks. But a revelation that God gave to me just in that particular passage about the eldest to the youngest as they walked away. We have old sins that may still haunt us and accuse us. You say, that ain't something that just cropped up here the last, you know, six months. I've been dealing with this thing for 30 years. The revelation that he gave was the old sins that may still haunt us and accuse us, he dealt with. He dealt with the things that were have just cropped up. You know, I found in my life that where there's an area where I got a victory over something. I say I got a victory. The Lord brought a victory in my life because I give him all the glory. Amen. I'm nothing. I can't do anything. I am what I am, like the Apostle Paul said, because of his grace. Because of his power, because of his spirit. But he fills us with his Holy Ghost so that we can become holy and sanctified in our life. He fills us with the Holy Spirit because that, you know, my pastor taught me, if he taught me a lot of things, but one thing that ever is etched in my spirit is that the Holy Ghost comes to make you and I holy. Because he said you'll walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's why we need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And people that tell you don't need that, you don't need to be filled with the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues. Yes, you do. It's in the Bible. We need that because we need God's power and His Spirit flowing through us. And we need to operate in the Spirit of God. And all the gifts, they were not done away with in the book of Acts, but they're still in active 
in action today and still operating today. God didn't, didn't start something and finish it until He's finished. And He's not finished yet, amen, with you and I. That's why we need the Holy Ghost. That's why we need the gifts operating in our midst. So long as it's God. Let me just take a commercial break here and say just because somebody prophesies over you and says thus saith the Lord doesn't mean it came from God well you know pastor you shouldn't question that I said huh wait just a second here my Bible tells me let the prophet speak but let the church judge if somebody comes up and says yea I say unto you and you're not allowed to question it yes you are according to the word of God if it doesn't line up to the word of God or if it's way out of left field I can tell you you can discount that it's not of God he said try every spirit I'm speaking the word of God to you try every spirit see if it be of God we're supposed to try it we're supposed to judge it somebody said don't judge me I'm operating in the spirit I said even more so Anything that calls itself spiritual, the biblically is open for judgment. To judge it and line it up. Is it of God? So church, let me tell you something because this is weighing in my spirit. Just because somebody comes up to you, I don't care who they are or where you've con connected with them. I don't even care if it's been in this church. If it wasn't God, you have to line everything up to the word of God. And just because somebody says something doesn't mean that you have to eat it without digestion. And say it's from God. Does it line up to the word of God? Amen. Amen. I had a man years ago. He prophesied over me. He was from South Africa. And he said, God's going to use you. And at that time, I, you know, I'm, we're running 40 people here at the church in 2005. And he said, God's going to take you around the world. And I thought, I haven't left furthest I've been is Mexico. Amen. I mean, that's out of the country, but it's not around the world. It's just two hours. And I didn't even really go there for the first time. I went there, I think we went down and got some tacos. Amen. <laughs> but he said, God's going to take you places you never dreamed. Fast forward about, I don't know, 13 years or 10 years, and here I am in Nigeria preaching the gospel. Amen. Going to Kenya in July. God will take you places. He was a 100% true prophet. It took 10 years for it to come to pass, but it came to pass. Amen. Let me get back to this message here. Old sins that may still haunt us and accuse us. Jesus dealt with that because they dropped them rocks from the eldest to the youngest. So he deals with them old things you've been dealing with. Old things. Old things. Things you've been dealing with since you were a teenager. Things you've been dealing with your whole life. A hurt that you've been dealing with. A, a betrayal or a, a, an offense or somebody that rejected you or somebody that abandoned you. You've been dealing with this same old thing over and over. Jesus dealt with that. How did he deal with it? I can tell you he dealt with it by saying I'm the only one that can judge and I'm not judging the woman. I want to forgive her because that's what God wants to do. He's in the forgiving business. But he was fulfilling the law. 
He was fulfilling the law. And there's things that we may have just begun to battle, possibly something you never dealt with before, but nonetheless, Jesus dealt with them all. Every one of them. This is the crux of my message. Nothing that they brought to Jesus mattered to him. In the economy of God and salvation, none of that mattered to him. None of that mattered. Think about it. The law didn't make him condemn her. The accusers didn't make him condemn her. And neither did her sinful act make him condemn her. Because he wants us forgiven, free, delivered, and saved, and not condemned. And he powerfully spoke and dealt with the accusation when he said, cast the first stone. Powerfully he spoke. Where are thine accusers? She said, ain't nobody here. He said, neither do I condemn you. I want you to know that there's a colon to express the direct attention to something in this scripture. He didn't say, neither do I condemn you and put a period. He said, neither do I condemn you and he put a colon. God specifically had the Holy Spirit do that, put a colon there. And he said, now go and sin no more. Now listen to me, church. He gave direct attention to something to give an explanation of further amplification of the word. God doesn't just want to forgive you of your sin. He wants you to go in the power of that forgiveness and walk in the victory of it. He's the fulfillment. He's the fulfillment that he's the mediator. He's the satisfaction of the law. He's the one that shuts up the accusers and frees the guilty. Because he said, neither condemn I thee. So believe his words. Believe the verdict of peace. Believe his words that are spirit and life. Spirit because they are of another world and of another realm. Think about it for just a second. We talk in our spirit, but God's spirit's different. God's spirit's different. His spirit is from another world. He's from heaven. He's from eternity. We're here in this life and we speak in our spirit which is really, you know, we're here in this earthly body, this fleshly body. But his word is totally different than what we would say. And when he speaks and he says, my word is spirit and it is life, he is saying my words are from another world, another realm. And their life, because they are all true, all the true absolute essence of life is in his words. He's the only one that can speak to you and say, you're forgiven, Teresa. I forgave you. And not only does he tell you that, but he gives you that assurance down deep in your spirit and you know that you know because God put it there. He put it there. He places it there and gives you that confidence. We can say, you know, I'm not condemned, I'm not, I'm not condemned and still feel condemned. Because it isn't about you quoting something. It's you knowing something. And when he tells you down deep in your spirit, 
You are forgiven. Listen, take his words and believe them, church. Believe them. Believe in their authority. Believe in their authority. Do you believe in the authority of God's words? When he's, some people don't believe in the authority of God's words, but God speaks and he gives us authority. I shared it on Sunday morning whenever Inez, Greg and Inez came came on a Tuesday night and I could tell she was troubled. I'll share it again. And you saw her raise her hands and weep and shout and cry because she was praising the Lord because the Lord touched her. But she was a woman who was troubled. She was tormented. She was afraid. She was just like, she was like anxiety. I mean, everything. She was just crying and she was scared then we went back there and that fear is contagious I can tell you it's contagious and and, and as I'm sitting in there the devil's like don't go over and touch her I'm serious he said don't you dare go over there and touch her and I started getting afraid I thought wait a minute here wait a minute here God's not giving me a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind Wait a minute, I'm not going to sit here and be afraid. But that's how he comes. He comes to bring fear. He comes to bring intimidation. He comes to bring torment. And as I'm sitting there, the Lord said, get over there right by her. I thought, oh my goodness, you know. I'm like, Lord, you're going to have to help me. You know, some of you don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm telling you, I've been there. Some of you do, amen. You know, you fought that devil. You've dealt with that fear. You've dealt with that. And so I, I just began to get over there. And at first I sat, you know, three, three chairs down. You know, I said, now Inez, God's going to touch you. Amen. God said, move in there closer. And I said, I got right over there. I said, come on. I said, in the name of Jesus, I said, I take authority over that spirit of fear. I bind that spirit of fear. I said, I come against you, devil. You have to take your hands off of Inez right now. Take your hands off of her mind. You have no authority. I take authority over you right now. I bind you, you you spirit of fear. I'm telling you, she let out a cry. She sat there and broke. She lifted her hands. She's like, Pastor, it lifted. Why am I telling you this? Because God has to speak to us and get it here. It can't be here. It has to be here. You have to know. You have to know the authority that you have in Christ Jesus. He's given me authority. And, 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 and I just had a situation just recently where somebody called and, I, and same thing, you know. I just feel that the attack of the enemy, don't you dare. I said, let me tell you something. Ain't my first rodeo. This ain't my first rodeo. I said, I'm going to get in here where I can scream. Amen. I can scream because I'm going to scream. Amen. And then I'm praying and I'm praying. I'm binding the enemy over somebody's mind and the attack of the enemy. And I'm praying and I felt God say, begin to pray in tongues. Begin to pray in the Spirit. And I begin to pray in the Spirit. I said, I don't care what they think. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do what I know to do. And I begin to bind that thing. And God said, I sent that devil to fly. I told him, you don't have any authority here. You take your hands off of that brother's mind. You begin to loose your hold. You have no authority. I plead the blood over him. Amen. And God said it lifted. Sometimes you go back and you're like, how you feel? 
I feel great. I said, praise God, it worked. He works. He works. He's faithful. He's powerful. So when that enemy comes in like a flood, all you got to do is begin to speak. Amen. Begin to speak and say, I bind that. What does that mean whenever he says the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard against him? What that is is the wind of God that blows. What he says is I'm going to wind up that wind. I'm going to get behind the army in in Isaiah. And he said, I'm going to push that army. And the spirit of God's going to flow as the wind of God begins to breathe. When God breathes, you better look out. He'll knock you over. He breaks that thing. He breaks it. Man, I'm excited. He gives you back your tomorrow. I'm going to tell you right now. What you need to do. When the enemy comes and brings anxiety, is to begin to quote that scripture and begin to plead the blood and begin to say, I take authority over this now. Right now. This is not your house. This is not your house. This belongs to God. I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost. So you get your stuff and you leave, devil. I bind you in the name of Jesus. Man, my wife had a relative that come to stay with us one time. Yeah. My boys were, well, it was supposed to be a week to turn into three months. But I remember everything that he was, smoking, drinking, going to the strip clubs, everything he was, he brought into my house. We were a... It was a sanctuary of peace. We had about 500 square feet, but it was 500 square feet of peace in every inch. And then an 18-wheeler came in there, and we invited it, trying to be benevolent and loving. And we need to be giving, and we need to help. But just remember this. Everybody you invite in your house to come and take up residence there, they bring everything they are with them. Amen. Amen. Here they come. My son was probably three years old. He'd wake up in the middle of the night screaming. And I thought, you know, this never happened until so-and-so moved in. So you know what? I said, listen here, brother. We've helped you. I love you. But either get right or you're going to get on a greyhound. You understand? Amen. If i got to pay your fare, I will. But you're not going to stay here and bring torment to my family. My son has never woke up and screamed like that ever. And the times that we've had since he was old enough to sleep by himself and not be in a crib, be a baby. He sleeps peacefully and has for the last two years. I don't know what happened. But, well, everything, we come to find out everything that he was surfaced. And I said, that spirit came into this house. And I finally said, he's gone. And people can say, oh, you're mean. No, I'm not. I'm a parent, I'm a protector, I'm a shepherd. And I said, devil, I said, I may have invited you in, but get your rear end out. Goodbye. I said, you're out of here. Get out of my house. And guess what? No more screams. No more torment. No more fear. 
Amen. None of that. We had peace in our house and a little extra food. Amen. <laughs> he said, go and sin no more. Listen, I'm going to close here. I'm getting to the end here. Go and sin no more. That is a promise as much as it's a command. That is a promise as much as it's a command. We hear him say, go and sin no more. And you're like, okay, I'm going to get up and I'm, I'm going I'm to go and I'm not going to sin anymore. No, what God was saying is, through Jesus, Jesus, God was saying, you are going to go and you're not going to sin anymore. There's going to be a power to walk in authority. Go and sin no more is a command. It's also a promise. You will go in the power of God. Doesn't mean the devil won't try to get you to sin. But God's going to give you power over that. And he's also going to give you, uh, you know, the power to overcome it. And he's going to give you the power to walk in freedom from the con condemnation. And he said, go and sin no more. God never commands what he will not empower. Why God would be unjust if he said, Teresa, I expect you to do something that you can't do. Amen. Come on now. He would never command us to do something we, he wouldn't empower us to do. He empowers us. You know, I was crying out to God yesterday. I'm driving out to my dentist in Fontana. We've been going there for 30-something years. We got a good dentist. Amen. Thank the Lord. But there's just something I'm dealing with in my heart. And I'm just, I'm being real with God. I just said, Lord, I just, I just don't even know what to say. I'm just dealing with this, you know. And I thought, well, you'll answer me whenever you want to answer me, Lord. And so I'm driving about 10 minutes past by. And that song came into my spirit. Most of you don't know it, but some of you do here. That song, Jesus be Jesus in me. Jesus be Jesus in me. So I started singing it. No longer me, Lord, but thee. Resurrection power. Fill me this hour, Jesus be Jesus in me. And the Lord said, I just gave you your answer. I said, he said, it's not you that's going to do it. It has to be me. And he said, every time you read that Bible, I'm encouraged in you. The Jesus in you is fed. Every time you pray and the Spirit of God comes upon you and you pray or you worship, the Jesus in you is fed. The Spirit of God in you. And have you ever noticed when you pray and you're seeking the Lord that you tend, for the most part, to walk in victory? Or am I the only one that that happens to? When you're feeding your spirit, man, you're walking. The Bible says it. If we begin to sow to the spiritual things, we'll reap spiritual things. He said, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
He said, it's all there, Jonathan. You just forgot. See, we see things, we hear things, we know things from the word of God, but it has to get down here. And he said, listen to what you're singing. Jesus be Jesus in me. You ain't sung that song in a long, 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 long time. I brought it to your mind. And I answered your question. It's me, son. It's me. God never commands us to do what he will not empower us to do. Jesus was saying, go and sin no more, and you will go and you will sin no more. I'll give you that victory. The anointing is tangible and it's transferable. It empowers us to do. Let me say that again. The anointing is tangible and it's transferable. That's why some of you are sitting here and you're saying, maybe only one or two, but you're saying, you know what? He's preaching and I'm, I'm getting it. The Spirit of God is talking to me and I'm getting it. It's not just something where I'm going, okay, you know, I hope he closes soon, this boring Bible study. No. He's speaking to me and I'm getting it. He's saying something that's registering. The anointing, you can feel it. It's tangible. And it transfers. Amen. It transfers. I've had people come up and I was low and they said, you know what? God's going to touch you. God's going to touch you. They begin to pray over me and they're, they're shouting. And before you know it, I'm shouting. Amen. They're shouting. I'm shouting. Praise the Lord. Praise God. My dad, he was a shouting man. Oh, my goodness. He'd shout. He'd shake. He'd buck. I'm telling you, he'd just, whoo, you know, he began to shout. He was a Pentecostal man, you know, full of the Holy Ghost, you know. You'd go up and touch him, you'd start shouting. Amen. The Spirit of God just hits you. It's powerful. You know, it's transferable. It'll touch you. Amen. Faith will come. Somebody, you can be low. Somebody can be high in faith and they'll begin to speak to you. Amen. And Jesus spoke that because he is the anointed one and it was something that she could touch, but it was also something that was transferred to her that she could take and run with it. He said, go and sin no more. It will empower us to do what does the Bible say? This is my only other scripture in Philippians 2 and 13. It is God that wills to... Um, let me read it to you in its entirety here. Amen. I don't want to quote it incorrectly. It's all right. He's a good God. Amen. But in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, he says this. He said, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So it's God that's working in you. It's God that's working in you. And, 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 and so believe that you're forgiven. Believe when he says, go and sin no more. Neither do I condemn. You've got to believe that. You've got to lay hold upon that. Because you're free in Christ. And he said, go. Amen. Too many people sit and they go, oh God forgave me. I believe. I know he said he forgave me, but they sit there. He said, get up and go. Go. Go and live for me. Go and, 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 and sin no more. Go in the power of that forgiveness. Go in the liberation of that freedom. And the redemption. I know it hadn't happened yet, but he was fulfilling the law. And he said, I fulfilled it. I fulfilled it in mercy. Go in that verdict of peace. You're justified by God in Christ. And we got to believe this. 
There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but walk in the Spirit. And He gives us the Holy Ghost to empower that choice to go and sin no more. Why did you preach this tonight? I'm done. But I'm going to close and say this to you. Why I preached this. Because too many of God's people live condemned in their life. From the past. Pastor, I just recently did something. Pray it through. And hear God say to you, I forgive you again. You're forgiven. My feelings and my actions and my forgiveness and my mercy and my grace has never changed, Jonathan. The devil will lead you to believe that it has, but I've never changed my feelings about you. I still love you. I still care about you. God told me you'll never go wrong preaching my love and forgiveness and the cross. Yes, you have to mention sin. Yes, you have to preach about hell. Absolutely. I'm a Pentecostal preacher, and I'm going to preach the truth. I'm a gospel preacher. But I want you to know tonight that I have found in my life and ministry, when people know how much God really loves them and they realize that, it does something to them. It affects them. Even if nobody else loves you, God loves you. He told me one day, I love you. And really, at the end of the day, I'm the only one that matters when all is said and done that I love you. Other people are supposed to love you. The church is supposed to be the church and be loving. I'm not saying that we're not. I'm simply saying to you that when you know the love of God for you, there's something that is released. And she sat there. And she looked up at him, my God, who are you? Who are you? I'm Jesus, and I don't condemn you. And my power and what I have done here, hadn't even been to the cross yet. This is how much power Jesus had. Hadn't even been to the cross yet to completely defeat the devil in sin and self and everything else. He ran off the accuser. He dealt with even the law. And he said, I don't condemn you. And if I don't condemn you, it doesn't matter what anybody else says or thinks. I'm the only one that matters. So tonight, do not live beneath the promise of God's forgiveness and that verdict of peace. Because what he speaks is the only thing that matters. Praise God. Father, tonight, I've done what I feel like you want me to do. I've obeyed your voice. I've obeyed your voice. Lord, you're, you're here. Your spirit's here. Your presence is here. You're a faithful God. And I thank you tonight. Almighty God, minister in this place tonight. Minister to every heart and every life. Lord, before we leave here, have thine own way.